a conversation about church finances and stewardship as Ian Hall, Indiana Conference Director of Financial Services, joins Bishop Julius Trimble and I, Reverend Dr. Brad Miller, on episode number 31 of the United Methodist People podcast. Welcome to the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes that strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church is essential to accomplishing the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The United Methodist People podcast helps clergy and church leaders connect with key insights, hear inspiring stories, and learn from the people making a difference in the United Methodist Church through conversation and commentary. And now... Here's Brad. Hello, good people, and welcome to the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller, where it is our mission to strengthen the connection in the United Methodist Church through conversation and commentary. Today, our conversation is with Bishop Julius Trimble of the Indiana area, who speaks to encourage us in the area of church finances. He has brought in, as our special guest today, Ian Hall, who is the Director of Administration and Financial Services for the Indiana Conference United Methodist Church, and Ian is intimately involved with the health and welfare of the financial picture of United Methodist Churches in the state of Indiana, the Indiana Conference, and is very aware of situations around the world regarding the financial health of the church and speaks into that today. We also have conversations about pensions, about insurance, and particularly about the faith journey and how that's all involved. You mix into that some conversation about the importance of camping and outdoor ministries, and we have a very fine uh, podcast for you to listen to today to inform your life. You can always go to unitedmethodistpodcast.com for back episodes of the podcast to inform your life further about matters in the United Methodist Church. Right now, we know that finances are crucially under pressure during this COVID-19 crisis. So it's appropriate and pertinent that we speak today to Ian Hall, the Director of of Administration and Financial Services in the Indiana Conference, and with Bishop Julius Tremble. Let's get into that conversation right now. Recently, we've been having lots of great conversations with Indiana Bishop Julius Tremble as he's encouraged us in several areas in the life of, of, of the church. And today, uh, Bishop has asked me to bring on a person who has a, a lot of great history in our church and will help us to speak to some of the issues that many of us have some concerns about, and meaning the financial picture and the life of the church, both local church and in the Indiana Conference, as well as the General Church. And his name is Ian Hall. He is the Director of Administration and Financial Services with Indiana Conference United Methodist Church. So, Bishop and Ian, welcome to the United Methodist People podcast. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Brad. Good to be with you once again. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, Bishop, good to be with you. What, uh, what good word of encouragement do you have to share with us initially before we get into some conversation with Ian here? What, uh, what's on your heart right now? Well, I just think that... Uh, we, we have the capacity to encourage each other because of the grace that we have received, we can share. In other words, the grace is God's love that comes to us, but grace is also the love that is shared through us. So I appreciate the opportunity for conversation and commitment and to hear, to hear glory sightings and call stories. So it's good to have Ian Hall with us today. Well, Ian, uh, welcome to the podcast. We're glad you're here with us uh, today. And uh, uh, Ian and you and I have a history that goes back 20 years or more in the area of uh, outdoor ministries where we first got connected. And I'm just going to take, I just want to talk about that just for a second. And Bishop, I'd like you to chime in here as well. Uh, Because uh, outdoor ministry is a big part of my faith story. And uh, I first met Ian when we were in outdoor ministries together. And one of the things that's happened in the midst of this uh, virus is that we're, uh, at least here in Indiana, not having outdoor ministries in our traditional form this year. But, and I'd just like you to say a word about uh, outdoor ministries. Can we say how that maybe helped form your faith life? And that's a big part of who you are. But just tell us a bit about yourself 
with that context? Sure, yeah. The, the camping ministry is a, is a big part of my faith story and uh, many folks' faith story. Um, I first discovered the Outdoor Ministries program in Indiana um, back in 1995. Um, my dad is a Methodist minister in England. And in 1995, we came to Terre Haute, Indiana, as part of the World Methodist Council um, Exchange Program. And we were here for a summer. And um, our schedule was jam-packed full. And I remember um, Linda, the church secretary at Mount Pleasant UMC, um, giving me a camp brochure and saying, would you like to go to camp? And, you know, we were only in Indiana for eight weeks. And we had a full schedule. So I did not go to camp, but I took that brochure home with me. And over um, the next year, um, I was, uh, was contemplating what I would do with my life. And at that point in time, I had an interest, uh, well, I still do have an interest in outdoor adventure sports. I scuba dive, I rock climb, I go hiking. And uh, I, was, I was wondering what kind of career might I be able to have that, that allows me to express my faith, but also do the things that I enjoy. And in the UK, we don't have a Christian summer camping program, but as we know, we do in the United States. So um, a couple of years later, I still had the camp brochure and I wrote a letter, literally a letter, um, and mailed it to the South Indiana Conference Director of the Camping Ministry, Kevin Wrigley, and said, I'd like to volunteer for a month. What do you think about that? And Kevin, over a period of time, because we were, we were communicating via snail mail, we would love to have you come. Um, so I guess he took a step in faith. I took a step in faith. And then I uh, came to Indiana in the summer of 1997, and uh, volunteered at Camp Manito. And uh, I must have done something right because they invited me back the next year. Um, and I was here for the whole summer. And then through my time in college in England, I, uh, I spent each summer um, at Camp Manito working as um, a camp counselor first and then the program coordinator. And then when I graduated from university, um, I had a degree in business management um, with a minor in outdoor recreation management. And uh, it just so happened, I think it was a God incident, that, um, that at the time I graduated, um, the Lilly Endowment was investing heavily in camping ministry um, in Indiana. And the South Indiana Conference Camping Program, um, if memory serves me correctly, got $1.8 million um, spread across the three sites, Camp Menido, Camp Indicosa, and Camp Rivervale. And uh, as part of that grant, um, Kevin and his team wrote in uh, a new staff person um, to help with marketing, communication, and also programming. And they invited me to apply for that job. And um, I came to Indiana for a three-year deal. So that was in 2001. Um, other things happened. Um, Laura, my wife, at camp, we were engaged at camp. Um, we've been happily married now for uh, almost 17 years. Uh, we have two children, Elliot, who's 12, uh, turned 12 on Sunday. Actually. Wow, and, wow, 12. And, and then Nolan, who is eight. But um, when I came to Indiana to the camping ministry, it, it was literally, it was a three-year agreement. And I think God had other plans. Yeah, and you're still here. You're still yes. here. And uh, your three years stretched in to whatever it's been, 25 or whatever it's been. I know we first encountered one another in the late 90s when I was directing camps at Benito and you were on the staff there and we encountered one another and certainly I saw God's work in you and how you've worked with folks, even though you occasionally dance with a Union Jack flag around your body dancing around doing things for the for the students but that was a lot of fun we had a lot of fun together but i also saw the faith form in you and how you formed helped that in other people and faith formation and things like camp is important i actually you know we met at camp Manito, which is a camp in brown county indiana and that's actually where i came to christ as a about a fifth or sixth grader 
when I was very young. And I know, Bishop, you've mentioned about how outdoor ministries and camping was an important part of your faith formation. And I know this is going off track a little bit of what we were talking about earlier, but I, I'm grieving a little bit right now that we're not having outdoor ministries this year in terms of the opportunity for faith formation for, uh, for students and for uh, adults alike. And I'd just like for us to speak to that minute. Well, what can we do? Is there anything, what, what kind of alternatives, if any, are we looking at? Or what is the grief that you may share? Bishop, do you have any thoughts about outdoor ministries at this point? Well, I, yeah, I, I agree the fact that we can't uh, have our, what would have been our normal camping, outdoor camping ministry and extend that to kids and adults and family members across the state of Indiana. And this is probably one of the last, the last and, probably one of the most difficult decisions that was made by the, by the director of camping and those in consultation with those in charge of camping. Uh, and I understand the decision uh, because we can't, it can't, with a global pandemic, how do, you, how do you guarantee the safety of all participants and workers and so forth? Uh, so I see this as a, as a temporary uh, um, delay of our experience. Camping's been important for me as a, as a junior high and senior high at uh, both United Methodist camps and I also attended a uh, Young Life camp in Boulder, Colorado, where we did a little mountain climbing. And so camping's been, a, been an important part for me. I probably had, had my initial call to ministry in a camping context. Um, so I'm a big fan of camps and have been a supporter of camps for a long time. Uh, so we anticipate a camping happening in a bigger way next year and the years to follow. Uh, Ian, you want to follow up with that with anything? I know we just not a whole lot to say other than we had to cancel because of the health reasons. Is there anything you want to say about any alternatives people can be looking at? Well, I think, um, I think it's worth noting that this was not a quick decision. Uh, the Nick Yard, the executive director of the camping ministry and his team um, thought long and hard about this decision. Um, it's not a decision that any of us are super um, thrilled about, but I think you're right when you say, Brad, it's a safety piece. Um, we, we're, we're learning every day about COVID-19. And I yes. think when it comes to the youth of the church and the adults that serve um, as volunteers, that, that's a lot of people over summer. And yes. it, it made sense. Um, well, and we're just, we're just doing what we have to do in the circumstances, this extraordinary circumstances that we are in. And I just know that both of us have a background in that and how important it was to our faith journey, or yeah. all three of us in our faith journey, and how we part of what our role is now is to help to uh, uh, c- continue to have an environment for faith to be nurtured. And But you mentioned about how the COVID uh, crisis has impacted everything I mean, all three of us know that's the case and Ian things have evolved in your life where you have been employed one way or another through the Indiana United Methodist Church uh, since your days in outdoor ministries as a camp uh, staff person and right now you're the director of administration and financial services you have been since uh, 2016 and we might just note for folks probably picked up on this but but uh, Ian is a native of England. As you mentioned his story, he came here and he made a commitment to us here in Indiana and he serves well in many capacities. And right now in the area of finance and administration services, I would like for you to define that and say what you do, what's that all about initially. And then we're going to get in some of the details about our particular circumstances right now with the COVID crisis. Yeah. So um, I head up the team of administration and finance. Um, Internally, we call that the AFS team, the Administration Finance and Support Team. And basically, our mission is to support the Indian Annual Conference through um, an effective and efficient set of administrative practices. And we do that, as I say, through three different teams. Um, Let's start with the support service team. Support service um, basically encompasses not only human resources from an annual conference employee standpoint, but we also um, provide um, technical expertise to folks from um, several different areas. One being um, insurance and pension for both um, 
clergy and lay employees. We also provide elements of IT support, whether that comes to um, the, the server infrastructure and some of the compliance pieces that need to happen um, on an annual basis for the general church. And uh, Kathy Mitchell is uh, the associate director and covers that area. Um, when it comes to general administration, um, it sounds like what it, it says, the general administration of the annual conference. So um, many may not know this, but there are um, a team or a pool of administrative staff that work uh, very hard at the annual conference center uh, in Indianapolis. And they are spread across multiple different uh, ministries, uh, leadership development, uh, church development, uh, connectional ministries. And each team has access to a, a full-time administrative assistant but those administrative systems work together as a team under uh, the leadership of Ruth Ellen Needler. And the concept there is that as the calendar changes throughout the year, the load on each department changes. And so we basically share the responsibility of general administration um, in that format. It's kind of a pool of people. Uh, our finance team um, is uh, led by Heidi Harding, who's the Associate Director of Finance. And again, that one is relatively self-explanatory. Um, we handle the day-to-day -day, uh, finances of running an annual conference. Uh, we also um, make sure that we um, facilitate transactions with the general church and passing on the tithe um, through our our, our tithe system, uh, what the general church would call an apportionment system. But in Indiana, we, we tithe rather than apportion expense. Yeah. Well, it's involved thing. I know you had, it, if you already mentioned some of your several of, of the staff involved, it's a sizable staff and is an important part of the infra infrastructure of the church. We have to have the infrastructure of the church in order to do the mission and ministry of the church and finance and administration. And, and it certainly is on people's minds a lot uh, right now as uh, local churches, many of them are challenged by the COVID crisis and certainly the general church it has some matters I want to get into regarding our financial health and wherewithal, plus the conflict within the whole United Methodist Church complicates matters, and you got insurance complexities and pensions and all that good stuff. But I'd just like for you to give me just kind of overview right now, Ian, of just kind of where we stand in the church in terms of our financial health and wherewithal, uh, kind of your you know, your 30,000 view, foot view here in Indiana and the general church. I know it's asking a lot, but give me just oh, your overall feeling about the financial wherewithal of the church right now? I, I think it, it, it would be remiss to not mention, and I think you already alluded to it, um, the perfect storm we find ourselves in. Yes. So we find ourselves in the COVID-19 um, pandemic along with um, the postponement of general conference. And I think those two pieces um, come together to create, I guess what I'm calling a perfect storm. Um, what, if you had asked any of us six months ago, even, uh, let's say 12 months ago, um, would general conferences be postponed or would there have been a world pandemic? I think we would have first laughed, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, so um, when it comes to the Indiana conference, and um, when we look at January and February's um, income, that the money coming in, um, through tithes and offerings from the local church uh, to the annual conference, we were actually um, tracking ahead of 2019. Um, slightly, but we were up. Um, then March happened, and uh, we were slightly down. It's, it's important to, to note that when it comes to um, tithe receipts, the money coming, you're basically working a month behind. Yes. So March, March money is really February money and January money is really December money. And so, so there's a lag. Um, in sure. April, 
we saw a 33% reduction in tide revenue year on year. That gets your attention, doesn't it? It does get your attention. And um, round numbers, uh, in April of 2019, um, we received a million dollars in tide. Um, again, round numbers in 2020, um, about 770 thousand dollars so that the, the the percentage is relatively easy to do um so that that um that is a reflection of reality i believe um the may numbers today is the 27th of may um we are are still tracking may numbers but they are looking similar to april's numbers um the Good news in all of this is um, that the annual conference was able to apply for and receive um, a paycheck protection um, program loan. Um, if, if people are not aware of that program, basically that loan um, has certain requirements which turn the loan in effect into a grant, uh, making um, repayment. Not Just to hit the button, did the conference receive that? I know a lot of local churches have applied for and many have received that, but you're saying the conference did as well. The conference received that as well. All right. As, as an employer. As an employer. Yes. Um, um, basically, those, those loans are based on 250% of your monthly average payroll expense. From 2019 and then in order for them to be forgiven and um, the eligible expenses are basically payroll related expenses plus either um, the interest on a mortgage rent payments and utility costs and at least 75% of that money needs to be spent on payroll associated costs but if you meet those criteria um, the Small Business Administration is using a bank or the banking system to administer that. And uh, if you meet those requirements, the, the loan becomes a grant and is given. Now, um, if we assume for a moment that the grant is, is achieved, i.e. our expenses are eligible, we believe they are. And when you factor in um, that revenue that has come in, along with the reduction in tithe, the PPP money does in effect what it was planned to do, which was make an entity whole through June. And so um, if things track as they are currently tracking, um, we will be, be whole compared to last year um, for the first six months of the year. Yes. And yet, uh, it certainly makes you adjust. It makes you think about your planning accordingly and everything in the general and the conference level. Speak for a minute about what you're hearing from the local church level. I know a lot of local churches, mine has applied for payroll protection. Speak to that type of thing. And what are you hearing from the local churches? What kind of uh, painful aspects are going to local churches that you're hearing about in your office that we can start to integrate how they come together to be supportive of one another. Yes. Um, it, we have asked the local church to uh, reach out to um, the support services department and let us know if they have applied for a PPP loan. Um, that number continues to grow. Um, we know that um, I wouldn't say a large number, but a number of Indiana United Methodist churches received funds in the first round of PPP. Um, the annual conference, in fact, did not. It was the second round that the annual conference received those funds. Um, and a lot of it is, is, I can report anecdotal information, conversations I've had with different clergy and, and lay leaders, um, but it runs the gamut. Um, Churches very much concerned about how they are going to be able to pay their, their basic 
builds in, in the next week to other churches that are saying, actually, we, this is the complete opposite effect. Our tithe income has increased year on year. We're seeing, um, uh, we, have, we have asked, we have, we have let people know about the need and people um, have been faithful and we have seen an increase in, in money. You see that connected at all, Ian, the tools are available such as online giving or other means? Um, I, I think several things, yes. I think one um, is telling the story and letting people know the need. And, and that might sound obvious. Yes. But if people are sharing that, um, the story and the fact that everything is not normal and that, and that giving is down. Um, there's some discussion about the fact um, that um, a, a large group of our membership are retired and on a fixed income. And that depending, and, and I'm a little skeptical about this piece, but depending on how that fixed income is received, whether that's from the market or not, and that fixed income may not have changed, and therefore their type may not have changed. And so um, some there, there's a discussion about the age of a population of a congregation has some effect on that. And online giving, I think, is, is key to this discussion, but not to forget that the U.S. Postal Service still works. Yes, so, um, so you can still mail an offering to your local church, and even if local churches are um, socially distancing and they're doing very limited hours, um, it's not out of the question for someone within the local church finance team to be visiting the mailbox. Yes. Bishop, um, you see if you wanted to chime in there about something here regarding well, this. Well, I, I think people have continued to be generous and at, and at, at minimum have continued to be faithful to the extent that they can. Some people's, in, some people's income has been interrupted. So that, that, would, that would, I think that would be a, a, a tribute to some of the decline. But also some of the decline is because we're not having regular worship attendance in church and some people are used to giving in church. But one of the things I like to say is that we often, Ian's title, Director of Administra Administrative Services, uh, administration, from a theological perspective, Brad, for me, is adding to the ministry of Christ in the church. So often we think of administration as just bureaucrats in an office. One of the first things that Ian did, maybe not the first thing, he, he wouldn't necessarily speak to it, but he can now that I'm giving him the introduction, uh, is to do a tutorial for how to apply for the PPE. And I think also the, through his offices, we provided resources on how to connect with online giving. So we've heard that there are churches that previously had not really ramped up the opportunity for people to give online now, now have done that. Obviously, just like online worship service, uh, some churches had not done this before, but uh, necessity is the mother of invention. So part of the role of the annual conference has been to resource local churches. And we're talking 1,066 churches. So um, the tutorial, the, the, the tutorial video on how to apply for the payroll protection actually has been used outside of our conference by other conferences. Yeah, that's awesome. And I just would say that uh, to Ian, that's what actually was my next line of question had to do with what that church calls you. What are the, what do you have to offer them? And the Bishop certainly touched on that because I'm sure you get those calls all the time and those are helpful pieces. The more people know uh, kind of point by point, really, you know, uh, step yeah. by step, walk us through stuff that, you know, the whole area, uh, I speak for myself and my own local church situations, finance and administration and, you know, the insurance program and pensions and so on can be overwhelming at times. And I think what folks are looking to your office, Ian, about is to help us sort some things out, give us some guidance. And I appreciate it. Do you want to say a word about guidance to local churches, the upsides, the downsides to PPP or anything else on that line to just give some guidance? When they call your office, what kind of guidance can you give them in terms of stewardship, finances, 
financial health? Sure. I, I mean, I think the first thing to say is we'd like them to call the office. Um, we, we're, we're a resource. We're here to serve. Um, if people have questions, by all means, uh, call or email. Um, the, uh, the conference website, uh, inumc.org, at the top of that website is a red banner. And it says COVID-19, the latest news and updates. And then there's a yellow button. If you click on learn more on the yellow button, it takes you to basically the most recent, most up-to-date information that we have. And that breaks it down into multiple departments. Um, one of those areas is financial resources and the CARES Act. And... Uh, we have um, FAQs there, and we have um, a process um, laid out on how to apply, as you say, for the PPP uh, loan. There's also information there about um, Vanco, and Bishop and, and Brad, you both have already mentioned online giving. Yes. And Vanco is a company that has a long-standing um, arrangement with the United Methodist Church, General Church, and uh, they provide online giving platform. They have offered up to local United Methodist churches um, their services. They're going to waive their costs for a year. Um, there is still a cost associated with taking online funds. But Vanco is basically saying we're going to waive um, our portion of that, of that income. Um, in a nutshell, um, when you process a transaction online, the bank charges a fee. That fee is represented um, it's a, a merchant credit cost, um, and it's anywhere from 1% to 3%. There's really no way to avoid that 1% to 3%. Uh, Vanco provides an option for a donor, a, a congregant, to pay that cost on top of their gift. And then that full gift, let's say it's 103% and is a tax deductible donation. And that way with Vanco waiving their fees and uh, a donor paying a little extra, the church remains whole. Yes. Um, well, what, a, what a great opportunity and great gift. And of course, those of us who study stewardship know the more uh, pockets, if you will, the more opportunities you have to give, the more opportunities you will have to uh, fully resource your, your church. Because if you're not in church, for worship and you're used to dropping your, uh, you know, your tithe in the plate, at least this gives another opportunity that someone may have not seen before. And certainly may, many, some churches are making availing themselves of this tool that they hadn't before. Yeah. Let's shift our discussion, uh, Ian and Bishop to some of the matters that are really clergy and churches think about as well in terms of their overall cost of doing business as a church, that's insurance. And let's talk about insurance for a second. And what are the impacts, implications of this COVID crisis upon our insurance programs, our health insurance, you know, uh, particularly? Is there any impact? Uh, just speak to that a little bit. What's going on in the world of our health insurance? Because there are all transitions that are going in place, going on. I know it's a complicated question. <laughs> yes. Um, so... The health insurance premiums um, reflect past expense on one another. So um, the, the current COVID-19 crisis, um, one could argue, will affect this in the long term. Some of that would have to do um, with the number of persons in the plan um, that um, have the virus. Um, ultimately, the uh, the Board of Pension and Health Benefits made some wise decisions um, starting about 18 months ago, um, which provided um, the rollout of a more comprehensive insurance program uh, when it comes to choice at the beginning of this year. So clergy and their families, along with lay employees, um, have access now to a range of insurance products. Um, 
the traditional B1000 was um, the plan that everybody was in for many years. Um, that is a traditional um, insurance program. Um, we now, in addition to that program, have added several different options which provide us with the choice to choose um, high deductible plans um, with um, higher deductibles, as the name sounds, but also lower premium costs. And so I think um, we are moving in the right direction to make our health insurance program sustainable. Because frankly... Because uh, that's the question a lot of people yeah. are concerned about is sustainability Yeah, because health care is so crucial. Right. And and part of the... And WESPAP, uh, the general agency of the United Methodist Church that oversees our insurance as well as pension and other pieces um, is working very hard to, I would say, to guarantee sustainability. So yes. tough decisions have been made, um, but the, the, plan, um, the plan is a strong plan and continues to, to and it continues to actually show and um, when we look at the back end data, that health behaviors are somewhat driven by consumer choice. So the more choice that I have and the more ability I have to make decisions which affect not only my, well, that affect my premium, also affect the choices I make from a health perspective and in general terms, people are making healthier choices. Yes. Well, let's along that same line, let's just go right on into pensions then, because there are, you know, of course, pension investments have taken a big hit with the stock market and so on. Just speak to, if you will, to the health and vitality and sustainability of our uh, pension program under uh, West Pass leadership. Where are we standing at? You feel good about it still so far? I feel very good about West Pass. I think as a general agency, Westpath is right up there with any other general agency. I think they have the right people on the bus, if you will. They have uh, qualified professionals leading the organization. Um, everybody lost money when the market saw a downturn. Um, we're already seeing some reversal of that. Um, the, the, the folks at Westpath take a long-term view of investments. Okay. And part of that long-term view is that they, they blend losses and gains. And so over time, you see um, our, well, I, well, Brad, you and I are part of um, the, the Westpath uh, pension program. Yes, um, we are. The, the Episcopal Office has another pension program, but again, similar. It's part, it's part of West Path too, though. Part of West Path, yes. And and I I think I, I think everyone's investments are in good hands. So so people should, at least from your perspective, should feel pretty good about it in the long term. We're all we're all getting hit right now. We're all getting hit, of course, yeah. right now. Bishop, anything you want to say about pensions and insurance? I can ask a couple more questions for you, but I want to see if you want to jump in here on this area. Well, I, I I remember hearing an incredible story. It was in our it was in our conference magazine, but actually I was there a couple of years ago. I don't know if you were there. I think you were there too, Ian. When yeah. We heard from one of our, our surviving spouses at Franklin, uh, Franklin. Uh, Otterby, who, who talked about how the pension program actually saved her life. It was a powerful story that really stuck with me. Um, and so we, when we think about pension, we often think about those who are active clergy, but there's retired clergy, there's lay people, there's surviving spouses. And in the case of the surviving spouse, her husband died as a, as a young minister and she had two small children, and she was thankful that as a United Methodist, uh, early in the pension, early in the pension program, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, what predated Westpath, the, the, the predecessor to Westpath, you know, had, had coverage for surviving spouses. Uh, so 
we're talking, I don't know what the numbers are, Ian can tell you, in terms of active, retired clergy and spouses, we're, we're talking, you know, hundreds of persons. Um, it's not just the person who's currently serving the church, but whoever the previous pastor before you, Brad, and before me sure. and the churches that we serve and those families. So often we think about um, what's wrong with the connection, but there's a lot right with being part of a connectional church. Well, I will just share that my mother is one of those surviving spouses who lives at Otterbein in Franklin. And as her son and as a clergy person, and as, you know, being a PK myself, uh, we are very pleased about how she's cared for uh, by both the pension and uh, insurance for, for that matter. Well, I want to ask Ian just one more question. And Bishop, I'd like for you to come back in a minute for just to kind of your devotional thoughts, maybe a prayer with us. And Ian, I'd just like to uh, ask you, you know, we haven't touched really at all too much about the conflicts in the church and how that impacts everything. But I, I just really want to ask you to just to, touch on signs of uh, concern that you may have with the church, but also moreover, uh, as opposed to that, any signs of hope you may see in the church right now from your perspective, one concern and maybe at least one sign of hope. Well, let's start with hope. Uh, the church Good. is still being the church. Um, with, I think um, even though ironically we're not in the building, the church has left the building, right? We see, we see ministry being done. I believe um, in our communities on a, a at least a, a bigger scale, if not bigger scale, than before the pandemic. And um, people are being the church and not necessarily just visiting a building. So I think that's that's a that's a real sign of hope. Um, I think when it comes to um, our discussion um, on human sexuality and um, there's, there's clearly a, a wide range of opinion. Um, I think people were treading water until general conference that should have been two weeks ago. And um, my, my fear or concern is, um, that, that we, we generally, um, maybe don't have the patience to wait another year and a half. Um, and my prayer would be that we that we do come to an understanding and and as a denomination um, that we don't just start to scatter and we have a process that has been set in place and um, I for one as a general conference delegate am committed to fulfilling that that kind of that process um, and many people have many different desired outcomes yes. but i think um my fear is that that folks get fed up of waiting yeah and i and i know on both sides of that argument mm -hmm. well, perhaps 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 god may have just hit the pause button for the whole world so to speak right. including our church for us to sort of get our act together I know that's my hope, at least, that we can somehow uh, get off of uh, this high tension, high volatility thing and get on to some unity uh, that, we, that we would love to see. And so, you know, I also hope that one of these days, maybe you and I can take the bishop on a hike together to St. Ian's Point. What do you think about that? <laughs> I'd like to clarify that I did not name that clearing after myself. And it was a joke, and 20 years later, it's still a joke. So. Well, I'll just share the inside joke with the bishop, and then the bishop wants you to share yeah, that's that. A, uh, that's what, a story I need, I need to know, the, know the, the background for that story. Yeah, well, I'll say a little bit about it, then he can say about the way he wants to. But long time ago, we took a big hike, several of us, and there was a clearing made at Camp Monito on a long, long, long hike. And uh, there were some people who named this clearing where we did overnight campouts uh, under the stars, St. Ian's Point. And just a year ago, when I was on a personal retreat, I found it again. It's still there. <laughs> it's a beautiful sign there. But it's a long hike. We'd have to take a long hike, Bishop. But uh, but that's part of my connection with uh, with Ian, which goes back a long time. I Is love... There oh, yeah. is, I, I spent one whole summer redoing all the trails at Camp Benito and added a new trail and created a clearing on where, that 
80 acres of land was acquired that summer and I put a new trail into it. And the, the short story is there used to be a skit on the Indianapolis radio station where there was this guy called, a British guy called Ian St. Ian. And all he'd do was yell, Ian, yes. Uh, and Bob and Tom, maybe. So maybe it was a syndicate. Yeah. Anyway, um, at the end of camp, they put a sign out there that said St. Ian's Clearing and uh, had a, a gathering to open it. And it was, I, I thought it was a joke. 20 years later, the sign's still there. And now it says St. Ian's Clearing on a topo map that the camp had made. So I, guess oh, I didn't even know it was on the map. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's great. So, so there you go. So that just shows his commitment to... Uh, the Lord and to outdoor ministries and to, and we just thank Ian for his service and uh, to God and through, through the church. I know you join me in doing that uh, Bishop and thanking Ian for his service. And what are the kind of things would you like to share with the folks who are listening to United Methodist people podcast today, Bishop? Yeah, well, I'd like to share with the folks listening to the podcast that you've heard three, three men talk about the importance of camping in, in our lives. And my prayer is that every kid, uh, uh, girl, boy, and adults would have an opportunity to, if they've never experienced camp, to actually experience camp. It doesn't have to be a United Methodist camp, but uh, I grew up in the city in, in Chicago, and uh, camping really was um, like opening a whole new world to me. Uh, and I, whether you grow up in a city or small town or on a farm, camping is, is just a, a blessing. You know, this old saying, one week at camp is like four years in Sunday school or something like that, or two years in Sunday school, um, is, I think it's really true. So my prayer is that, that kids all across the globe would have an opportunity for outdoor experiences that uh, affirm life and affirm uh, God's love for them uh, like we have. And one of the things I'm committed to, and I know we all three of us are committed to, and even while we're having a down in terms of uh, participation, I know my wife and I are, you know, we're committed to supporting and helping to build up camp scholarships uh, so that next year and the year after, we, pr we will have the most robust scholarship program probably across the connection in Indiana. Of course, we have the most beautiful camps in the state of Indiana. And so that's, that's my prayer. And just in closing, I want to share that uh, hope is not, not gone out of style, uh, nor is it... Uh, uh, needed any less today, nine or however many, nine or 10 weeks we're into this pandemic. Psalm 130 says, hope in the Lord for with the Lord, there is unfailing love. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Romans 15 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy, peace, because you trust in God. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So my prayer is that uh, a piece of hope, a little, a little droplet of hope would fall upon all of our listeners today. Well, that's, uh, thank you for sharing that good word there. Bishop, would you mind uh, praying for, for us all and maybe particularly for Ian and the Ministry of, the, of Finance and Administration? and our camping program. Yeah, thank you, Ian Hall, for joining us today. Lord God, we ask blessings upon Ian Hall and his family uh, for his ministry and his leadership. We give thanks for Dr. Brad Miller, and we give thanks for this podcast. And for those who are listening, Lord, all across the globe, and in, particularly here in Indiana and any other place, we hope indeed that you would receive this uh, blessing of hope uh, for you and your family. Stay safe, be well. To God be the glory. We thank you, God, for the gift of this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Many thanks to Ian Hall, the Director of Administration and Financial Services in the Indiana Conference United Methodist Church, for speaking here on the United Methodist People podcast today, where we are being encouraged by Bishop Julius Trumbull uh, during this time of this COVID-19 crisis, which we are under. We all know that the crisis has impacted church finances dramatically in some ways. The encouraging word I wanted you to hear today that Ian shared is that many, many churches are stepping up 
and doing mission and ministry, even some ways, even more effectively, certainly differently than they did before. And in some cases, some churches are even advancing their giving and their mission and ministry. That's an encouraging word during some challenging times. Here at the United Methodist People Podcast, we're here to encourage you and to feed you and give you good things to share. You can go to unitedmethodistpeoplepodcast.com and be connected to back episodes of the podcast which can speak into your life. My name is Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. We are here to serve you in the United Methodist Church to strengthen the connection through conversation and commentary. Let me leave you now with the words of this quote from John Wesley. Open quote. I have never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear. Whenever I feel fearful emotions overtaking me, I just close my eyes and thank God that he is still on the throne, reigning over everything, and I take comfort in his control over the affairs of my life. Close quote from John Wesley. Thanks so much for listening to the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. You can continue the conversation and commentary about strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church to accomplish our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Visit the United Methodist People podcast on the web at unitedmethodistpodcast.com and connect at facebook.com slash unitedmethodistpodcast. And always do all the good you can.